Hey, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. Jay Harvey, thanks for being with me. So good to be here, Jim. Thanks for asking me I back. I mean, actually, yeah. during this pandemic, it's good to be anywhere. It's good to be anywhere. <laughs> and let's yeah. just say, Jay and I are in the same studio, but we're very socially distanced. There's, yes. no, there's no room for us to infect the other That's uh, true. right here in this space. But so good to see you, Jay. Yeah, you too, Jim. Have you been trapped up in your house for a while? Um, I have. And... Um, that was okay for a while, but but it's always good to get out. That's why when you called, I picked up on the first half ring and said, I'll be there before you even ask me if I could come. So I, I get it because <laughs> it's been kind of fun to be at home. Yes. But there's also a little bit of stir crazy going on. Yeah, a little and, bit. And, uh, you know, my wife loves to cook. The kitchen's the center of my house. <laughs> and uh, as we're hanging out there, I've been watching some TV, stuff I never get to see otherwise. And anyway, as I've been just like watching and reading and uh, trying to be productive but also taking some diversions i keep coming back to this this phrase hell's kitchen wow i mean have you heard of it i mean hasn't hasn't everybody heard of this hell's kitchen yes it's kind of like a neighborhood and boy there's some famous people that came from that neighborhood it's had a lot of energy in the history of new york city uh, oh and then there's a tv show now called hell's kitchen right. i'm sitting in my kitchen and i'm trapped there with my wife and she's thinking i'm at no she wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> i just say hey today yes. jay let's just unpack a little bit of that hell's kitchen motif and see where it takes us sounds great Hell's Kitchen, Jay. What do you know about it? I mean, where does that come from? Well, I, you know, I've heard the term for so long, but then all of a sudden, uh, when we started talking about it, I realized I didn't know that much about it, but did a little bit of research. And yes, it's more than a TV show. It actually has some history to it. Yes. I'm all for the history. Yeah. So it's a west side of Manhattan, I think. Right. And uh, uh, just it got its nickname and uh, from a, a period of time when it was just... Well, maybe felt like Hell's Kitchen. It was uh, filled with gangs and debauchery and poverty and all different types of people. And uh, somebody by the name of Dutch Fred the Cop. Sounds uh, like a cartoon yes, character, but a, a real and, guy. And I love what, in the research when he said he was watching a riot take place. And his <laughs> partner said, this place is hell itself. To which Fred Dutch the Cop says, hell's a mild climate. This is Hell's Kitchen. Voila. There's and, the name. And we're talking about the middle of the 19th century. So a long right. time ago, uh, West Central Manhattan, butt up against the Hudson River, a part of the city that developed late. A lot of immigrants, especially right. Irish immigrants, uh, fell into that zone, lived in shanty towns, a lot of rough and tumble, poverty, desperation. And you know, when people don't know what to do, sometimes they gather in gangs and right. then exercise power and influence in ways that are very harmful. I mean, that's the story of Hell's Kitchen. And Dutch the Fred Cop or whatever yes, his name is. Yes. I mean, that that's kind of his observation. Hell is bad enough, but this place is so hot. This is so sizzling. Yeah. This is so frying. Mm -hmm. This is Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Wow, there's a neighborhood. That, that's a term. Yes, that is a term. I don't know about you, uh, Jay, but sometimes... I feel like I live in Hell's Kitchen, not literally at home. My home is a, is a, is a safety zone for me. But, I mean, the world, I mean, it's upside down. Come on. Uh, what's going to happen next? Uh, there's all kinds of mischief out. There's some good things we've seen during the pandemic, people stepping up and all of our healthcare workers and first responders and frontline workers at the grocery store. I mean, lots to celebrate there. But when you just think about this world, it's so broken. Right. I mean, th this doesn't feel like heaven. It feels right. more like hell in, yeah. in a sense some days. And I just 
know people wonder, and I sometimes wonder, what's going on here? Yeah. What what has happened? Why is our world like this? Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes I I don't like to complain because I always can find places that look more like Hell's Kitchen than maybe what's going on with me. But I think that that's dangerous because what I might be going through, what I might be thinking, what I might be seeing some loved ones go through can certainly feel like Hell's Kitchen to me uh, just because somebody else may have it worse physically or environmentally. It's still Hell's Kitchen to me. So what do we do with that? Well, and how did we get here? Yeah. I mean, the very concept of hell, hell itself, it's something that we hear about. People use the word hell in a kind of uh, vernacular, oh, to hell with that, someone might say. Right. Uh, but when you say the word hell, when we hear it, I mean, it's a pretty dark picture no matter where you are in your thinking about religion and all that. Hell means that worst place. Right. <laughs> right. That, that place that I do not want to hang out. Yes. That is the worst. And I have to wonder, why is the world like this? I mean... I just volunteered at the Salvation Army to help pack food boxes for 500 families mm. who have been thrown out of work. Mm. I'm glad to do it. I'm so thankful that I've got some food in my house, and I'm so glad I could help pack those boxes. And hey, by the way, haven't been able to go to the gym, so lifting those huge <laughs> flats of green beans <laughs> was a kind of yes. workout. I'm so glad for that, but I think, why yeah. Why are these people out of work? Why? I mean, I know intellectually why, but what kind of world works this way? Why is it this way? Come on, if there's a God, can this really be his outcome? Mm -hmm. What do we do with that? I mean, Hell's Kitchen, are we living it? You know, Jim, when you were saying that about why, the, the question why, I think we look around and we think we're doing pretty good for a while. And then we look around and we go, wait, wait a minute, maybe... Maybe we're not. Maybe we're not the master of our own universe. There's still such brokenness all around if you look just for a moment. And that always brings me back to something that's very fundamental about my beliefs, and that is there is a God, but there's also an enemy, and he has uh, unleashed brokenness in this world. And no matter what we do to try to mask that or cover that up or to make it look good, boy, there's an adversary there that is working against us. And and we have to remember that because the opposite of that is our God who is trying to restore. So while we may feel like we're in hell's kitchen, and in some ways maybe we are, we must remember that God is in the business of uh, reclaiming what uh, the enemy has stolen from us. And, and that's why I think trying to comprehend how to fix hell's kitchen when in a big picture, it's already been fixed, can give us the kind of wisdom and the strength that we need to, to exist in a world that, that is still broken, Jim. You know what, Jay? I'm an old man. You're a young guy, but oh, yeah, I've lived right. long enough you know, to have wrestled with this question for a long time. And honestly, the only way I can cope is to go back to the beginning. Yes. And there's a famous word, goes like this, in the beginning, God. I've heard it. In the beginning, God <laughs> right. created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. And what I'm just telling you is, what we think about the beginning will help inform the rest of our future. And for me, I cannot navigate this world that seems so hell-bent sometimes Mm -hmm. until I go back to the beginning and conclude, you know, the world didn't start this way. The world started perfect. No sorrow, no tears, no mess-ups, no mix-ups, no starving, 
no illness, mm. no death, no wrongdoing, no wickedness, no evil, no hell's kitchen. That's how the world began. That really helps me navigate through a world that's broken. If this world is broken, Jay, how did it get broken? I mean, I just I just quoted some ancient words from right. one of the most famous passages in all of literature. But guess what? Genesis. What's yeah. next? It continues, though. <laughs> it says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman. So we've got God's creation in Adam and Eve, and they are choosing to enjoy God's presence in, in the perfect world in which you described. But then here comes that question. Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? And I always, always, always am amazed that uh, the very first question penned in God's holy writ is, did God really say? Because I, I know that that's the question that we still ask today. Did God really say that it's supposed to be like this? Did God really say he would allow these things to happen? The moment we enter into the conversation, as Eve did, and he didn't even ask the question that needed to be asked, he threw her off by saying, did God really say you can't eat of any of the trees? She said, oh, no, no. Let me tell you what he really said. At that moment that she starts to defend God, and says, no, it's just this one. Ah, now he has a little bit of a foothold and a dialogue. And I don't know about you, Jim, but every time I try to negotiate or have dialogue with the enemy, it doesn't turn out well. But if I go back to what you said, the fundamental principle that in the beginning, God, it was good. Something happened that uh, took that away, but God is the same and is trying to restore that and has done so through Christ, then it gives me hope. So what, what you're reflecting on is the serpent is the manifestation of this enemy of our souls. Exactly. The Bible calls him Satan, which literally means the adversary. But guess what? What we're wrestling with, and we see it in the world today, is that we live in a world that's in a contest between a God whose desire is to make a perfect world without any suffering and filled with life and joy and wonder. And there's a contest between this God and the adversary, Satan. And Satan is manifested in the serpent in this garden story and is tempting Eve and her husband, Adam, to just blow up what God told them. That's right. the story. What happens, Jay, when the serpent talks to Eve? I mean, we read that uh, the serpent said, you know, you don't have to believe everything God said. Right. <laughs> you, you just don't have to buy that because what he told you is really a half-truth. Right. And so he makes her doubt, doubt what she has seen as the foundation. And then what does she do? She ultimately takes the fruit. You know, we right. sometimes call it an apple, but it doesn't say it was an apple. It's just some kind of fruit right. tree, right. some kind of exceptional fruit. Right. <laughs> Don't eat this kind. She eats it. And yes. then look at what it says. What happens when she eats it? Oh, her eyes were opened. And then they both suddenly felt shame. She had given some to, her, to Adam as well. They, they felt shame and uh, realized that they were naked. And, and so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves, which is what Scripture says. And I can't read this without even making note of the fact that also at the, at, in the very beginning when she was looking at the tree, she said it looked delicious. She could see that it, was, uh, it had wisdom. So she began to entertain the, 
the adversary's words, the doubt. Then she began to look uh, at what might be possible, and then she took action. And all of a sudden, at that moment, boom, sin entered in, and they felt shame. And you know what? I've always been fascinated by that passage. Suddenly, their eyes were opened. Uh, they became self-aware in a way. Right. And they were ashamed because they were naked. Of course, right. you know, from the age of puberty, I was thinking, well, what's that about? Yeah. But you know what I really think it's about is they became self-conscious. Before that, before they doubted and essentially disobeyed God, mm-hmm. they were not self-conscious. They were simply free right. in who they were to enjoy the creation, the universe God placed before them in that perfect garden, that perfect mm. world. Right. But boy, when you disobey God, when you throw his word out, then you become self-conscious. And that is always going to result in some mess-ups, and here we are. What we've been talking about, Jay, is the fact that the world we know today, broken and messed up, and it's broken and messed up at several levels. There is human depravity, crimes are committed, terrorists reign, Mm -hmm. bad guys take the reins of government and cause wars. (laughs) I mean, those are human choices that are evidence of our corrupted nature. In humanity, we're a mess up. And then there are natural causes. Mm -hmm. There are tornadoes. There are viruses. (laughs) There is this kind of twisting of the perfect creation into some kind of uh, demented outcome. Earthquakes and volcanoes and flooding and all the stuff that happens that we might call mother nature. It's broken. Mm -hmm. And you know what the Bible also says? It says that the whole of the creation is waiting for things to get fixed. In other words, it is consequent to that broken place way back then at the dawn of history. And humanity is waiting to get fixed because left to our own devices, we just can't figure it out. And when humanity is broken and it faces a broken world, like in the pandemic— Without the maker of all things who knows how to make it perfect, right. we're in deep, deep trouble. Right. And that's what we're watching happen right now. Yeah. And, and I believe, Jim, that you know, sometimes even though it's hard to look at, when you, when you look at God's revealed word from front to back and, and understand it on a bigger level, he's given us all this information. He's given us this truth, the, the good, the, the bad, and the ugly, so to speak. He, he tells us plainly, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Well, why is that? Because it's broken, because of that original sin. And God didn't break it. No. The devil did. Right. And this is the really important truth to help us manage this broken world and be able to overcome it, is to realize who is the source, what's at the beginning, what's underneath what we're experiencing. So there are people listening to us today, Jay, who are saying, this is nuts. Right. <laughs> you, you can't be serious. But no, I am serious. Yes. You've got a better explanation for the why things are as they are. <laughs> you have a better explanation for a universe that is so precise that all the planets and the stars move with a precision that even mathematics can hardly project, how we can send things into space, and we can do it because there is an organization to the movement of the universe that is so precise, it defies human imagination. Can you look at human DNA and figure out how something so complicated, more complicated than even the universe, can transmit life and qualities and Mm. character from generation to generation? I mean, we could go on and on. You've got a better explanation than this for why things are messed up? I'm telling you, if you buy into this, Things will start to make sense, and you can find your way. So God 
making a perfect world, watches as Satan intervenes and steals it, and he's saying, I'm taking that back. And he's never surprised by what the devil does. And so he has a plan from the earliest of time it's disclosed in Genesis that Jesus, Mm -hmm. the very person of God, is going to come into the creation and take it back. And Jesus tells us what we're fighting against. He says something about the devil in the gospel called John. What does he say? He says in the gospel of John, he says, the thief or the devil's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Love that promise. Bingo. (laughs) Jesus has come into the world to push back the devil who's only ambition is to steal from you, to rob you, and to, and to kill you. I mean, right. that's his game. Right. And what we see happening in our world is that. Yeah. The devil is the author of the pandemic virus. Right. He is the author of cancer. He is the author of crime. He's the author of drug addictions. He is the author and progenitor, the beginning of everything that's caused you suffering and everybody else. And Jesus is the author of life, of beauty, of love, of kindness, of grace, of righteous power, of justice. That's Jesus' game. Right. He wants to give us life abundantly. Jay, right now in this pandemic, let's mm. just get right down to it. I don't want to live in Hell's Kitchen, no. but I'm in a world that's got a taste of hell in it. Yes. But I promise you, all of us can make a difference. We can push back. We can league with Jesus yes. and actually change the way things are. We want to encourage you to think about how you have framed the world in your head. Mm -hmm. We want to encourage you to frame it as it's framed in Genesis. There is a God who is good, and he has created the world perfect. There is a devil who is bad, and he has corrupted the world. Jesus is God who's come to set things straight. And the whole story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the story of God taking back what hell has stolen, and that can start with you today, because unless you make a decision to come alongside with Jesus, you're going to fall off onto the other side. That's just the way it goes. No matter how good you think you are, if you don't make a choice to embrace Jesus as Lord, you find yourself working against him, even if you don't mean to. Mm. Get in line with Jesus and then allow him to recreate you and empower you to do things that's going to take a little bit of hell's territory back and transform it from hell's kitchen into a little piece of heaven. Yes, you can do that. Yes, you can. How? Just join right now. Pray with us. This is a first step. Just pray with us right now. Our Father, we're so thankful that you are still God and that you're our Father in heaven, and that we can trust you, and that your will for each of us, every one of us, no matter how wretched we've been, is good. You want to see us redeemed and restored. You want to take us back from hell's grasp and hold us close to yourself in good ways so that we can do good and find life. We thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus that you sent into this world to make it possible. And by his work, by his witness, and by his command, By faith, we receive him as our Lord and acknowledge that without him, we cannot get the job done and we're lost. We admit, Lord, that we need Jesus to forgive us of our sins and we ask for that forgiveness. Recreate us, Lord, fresh and new, and now empower us, even in this age of uncertainty, to be bold, to be courageous, to be loving, generous, and kind. Help us to play our part well. 
Thank you for everyone listening to us today, Lord, and I pray that there will be some who are making a choice right now to frame their world by the God who is their maker. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed with us, maybe you didn't even because you're not sure you want to pray that prayer, but you still have questions, you give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're on it. But Jay, if someone doesn't want to call, how can they find us online? Jim, they can find us at cbhviewpoint.org. That's it. CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's exactly who we are. We are Christians. We're broadcasting. We're talking to you. And we've got hope. cbhviewpoint.org. Check it out. Send us an email. If you're listening online, if you're on Facebook, for instance, you can send us a message right now in the stream column or use a private message, but let us hear from you. Or at the last, just send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you reach out by phone, whether you check us out online, whether you send us a message through social media, or just use the post office. Please let us hear from you. Jay Harvey, I just want you to know we're giving a shout out today to Andrew. He lives in Connecticut. He called us last week after hearing our last broadcast, and he just wanted to tell us that he thought we were inspiring. And he awesome. made the observation in a world like this, we need people to inspire us to find God. That's what he said. Andrew, thanks for listening. We hope you're with us this week, and we hope that you'll be with us again next week when we're back once more. We'll be talking about Hell's Kitchen and unpacking a little bit more about what is this world about really, what's going on, and what we can do about it. Until then, Jay Harvey, always good to see you. Thank you, Jim. You too. Thanks for tuning in. For all of us at the Viewpoint team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.